Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 10 in the books. Stuff got weird in the ACC this weekend. How you doing? You ready to talk about it? Uh, in some cases, I am. And I'm not even <laughs> just talking about Virginia Tech. Like I'm talking about some games that I bet that didn't turn out like I would have hoped and some bad beats to boot. So not feeling particularly good about some of these results. We've we've had worse beats this year, but there were there were a couple games that went against our picks in unfortunate ways, we'll say. Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree. And not even like we've had worse takes this year. We've had worse takes like literally a week ago with that Florida State Clemson finish. So that was yeah. That was the all-timer. I, I, I cannot imagine a game on this podcast in the past or really in the future where we would have both been on one side of it and gotten on that level of bad beat. Um, yeah, so it was pretty uh, bad. That was brutal. Um, Mike, as mentioned, week 10 in the books. Uh, we had six games here in the ACC. Five of them were conference games. Uh, let's just start with the out-of-conference game. How's that sound? <laughs> Oh, a real out-of-conference game. That's yes, right. of course. Noted, yes. uh, noted out-of-conference rivalry, North Carolina 58, the number nine, Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks 55. Oh, um, let's start here, Joey. Uh, what conference are these teams from? Um, well, both of these teams, I believe, are from the Atlantic Coast Conference. One of them from the Atlantic Division, the other one from the Coastal Division. Um, huh. So the good news is that Wake Forest loses this game against a conference opponent, but is still undefeated in conference. Wow, that seems fair. Uh, hey, college football, greatest sport on earth. Yep. Um, so Wake, obviously, no longer undefeated. Um, they are going to probably fall well down, if not out of the college football playoff rankings. The ACC at this point, probably dead in terms of playoff chances. That's that's I think that's all she wrote. Um, but we won't we don't need to harp on that. The more important thing here, Mike, is that this game was a wild. Um, yeah, usually is lots of back and forth. Both teams had 11 penalties for over 100 yards. Um, this was emotional. There was scuffles. There was all sorts of stuff. Um, I think they both ended up with over 500 yards of offense in this game. Wake goes into the fourth quarter with a two touchdown lead, leading 48 34. UNC then goes touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, uh, and ends up winning the game 58-55. to 55. Um, This is the second year in a row, Mike, that the Deeks have had a big lead on North Carolina in the fourth quarter and have lost the game. That is a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it is. Uh, when it was 45-24, to 24, I was on weight plus two and a half because, of course, I was. And feeling good um, about it. Yeah, congrats to North Carolina for covering by half a point. Absolutely gross. Yeah. 
that was horrible. When it was 45 to 24, I figured that was probably a good time to go walk the dog. I was at my parents' house um, with my wife. We were visiting my parents. Figured it was probably a good idea to take the dog for a walk at that point because I'm like, all right, well, I have weight plus two and a half. This game looks like it's well in hand. Uh, let me take the dog for a walk before the 3.30 window. Uh, Joey, needless to say, I'll never be taking my dog for a walk again. Yeah, no. Ever. Yeah, no, she's, no, never walk him again. Tucker, it's, it's Tucker you'll be okay. Yeah, you can walk yourself now. I am no longer walking. When I came back, the game was tied. So I was gone maybe 15 minutes, 17 minutes, something like that. I don't know. Took him around the block and came back, and UNC had scored three touchdowns. So that's where we were at there. I um the the people probably know I think I mentioned this I was in Atlanta on Friday for the uh, Braves World Series parade and that was what are, what are the what are the Braves by the way what, uh, what are the, they the Atlanta Braves they are World Series champions Mike they, that's that's right that's right that's exactly what they are um I was there Friday for that and then uh, stayed over you know my flight came back Saturday evening and so during the day I went with a friend and we we went and watched uh, the Georgia Tech game and then a couple others at a Taco Mac downtown and. Um, naturally at Taco Mac at noon when Georgia's playing like two thirds of the 60 TVs in there were on the Georgia game. It was a real barn burner against Missouri. I think it was like 43 to six or something. Um, but <laughs> Missouri's this, so bad, but other than the Georgia tech game, this was the game we were trying to keep an eye on. And it was, I mean, it kept moving around different TVs in the bar. That was really annoying, but like this was a, uh, just a wild game to watch. Um, some of the stats coming out of it are just silly. Like North Carolina ran fewer than 80 plays and racked up almost 550 yards of offense. Um, Sam Hartman had one of the strangest passing lines I think I've ever seen. 25 for 51, so he was under 50% completion percentage. For 398, five touchdowns and two picks. Um, very eventful there. Uh, just a, a lot of, of big plays, just haymakers being thrown. Um, I had I had a ticket in on over 78 points in this game. It hit by the five-minute mark in the third quarter. Um, yeah, and I'll say. Yeah, 103 points combined in this game. Just absolutely wild. And, and hats off to North Carolina. Like, this game in particular, I mean, more than any I think we've seen, at least this season, uh, those guys ran the dang ball, Mike. They did. They did. Yeah, they ran it well. And uh... – this, this was interesting, too, because uh, Emory Simmons, Carolina's number two receiver, transferred or hit the transfer portal earlier in the week. Carolina has had a number of players hit the transfer portal over the last couple of weeks. And we were reminded on Saturday they still have Sam Hartman. I'm sorry, Sam Howell. Mm -hmm. Name that Sam. They still have Sam Howell. They still have, they still have Ty Chandler, who had you know, 213 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Sam Howell, you mentioned his passing stats. Um, also... I mean, Sam Howell, 104 yards rushing, two scores. Like, this is a really, still a really talented North Carolina offense. When going up against a mediocre to bad Wake Forest defense, that is a recipe for disaster for the second year in a row for the Demon Deacons. So, yeah, I mean, I can't say that I was shocked by the outcome. I thought Wake Forest would win. I locked it up on the preview, as did you. You know, we were pretty confident Wake would get this done, but. You know, Carolina, like we mentioned, the, the whole thing here was going to be whether or not Carolina would stick with the run. We mentioned that on the preview. Will they stick with the run or will they get past happy with Sam Howell? And yeah. man, do yeah. they stick with the run, Joey. They sure did. They, they really stuck with the run. 
330 yards as a team. That's non sack adjusted. Uh, 330 yards as a team, six touchdowns. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, that, that's an impressive rushing performance um, by the Tar Heels. And that's, I, I'm not, I'm not shocked that North Carolina won this game either. Um, and, and maybe we, I don't know if we necessarily did it justice kind of explaining that on the preview. But I was definitely think. I mean, I definitely felt like this was going to be a shootout. I think I had the over on the on the preview. I I bet yep. the over uh, in real life, um, and and I kind of felt like you know shootout. Like who knows who will win? I just felt like Wake would make one or two more stops than Carolina did, and that's how the game went for three quarters of action. Uh, right. It's just that Carolina, again, their final. Let's see, what one, two, three, four, five possessions. They scored four touchdowns and kicked a field goal. Like Wake ran out of stops, and over that same time frame, uh, starting with UNC getting that ball uh, for that those final five, Wake went field goal, interception, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, touchdown, um, before not recovering an onside kick, and UNC was able to kneel it out. So, you know, tough loss for for Wake to really stomach. That is that is pretty brutal. North Carolina, huge win for them. They are likely to be bowl eligible at this point. They've got a, a game left against Wofford that should get them over that hump, at, if nothing else. God, I hope so. Yeah. Wake, on the other hand, now 8-1. and one. They are still in the driver's seat in the Atlantic Division. Again, they're undefeated. Um, and I, it, it really seems like the NC State game here next week, that's going to be the Atlantic Division championship game. Um, whoever wins yeah, that, almost certainly going to, uh, going to Charlotte. So we will see how that goes. They've also got games left. Does wake against Clemson and Boston college, both on the road. So going to be an interesting little finish here to see who ends up in Charlotte out of the Atlantic division. I, I kind of think it's going to be wake, but we'll get into that, I guess on this week's preview episode, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still think it's going to be wake as well. And um, by virtue of the fact that their offense is legitimately unstoppable. So well, that, that's yeah. a, uh, that's a part of it as well. So, oh, uh, one one thing, too, I want to mention real quick. Uh, Wake Forest in this game, 11 penalties for 119 yards. North Carolina, 11 penalties, 118 yards. So, pretty sloppy. Yeah. Pretty sloppy. It, it was messy. Uh, three combined turnovers. Um, yeah, there there were there was a lot that went on in this game. It was a, it was a raucous atmosphere in Chapel Hill, too. Shout out to the yeah. UNC fans. They, they made that a, a fun game. Yeah. Almost 1,200 yards of offense. Something like that, yep. Yeah, Yeah. 1,200 yards of offense, 113 points. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. I was just thinking it was 103 points, and then, no, you're correct. It was 113. (laughs) That's how tired I am. I can't do math anymore. It's all good. North Carolina, 58. Wake, 55. Uh, Fare thee well, ACC playoff hopes. Love you, Deeks. We'll try it next year. I love you a little less than I did last week, Wake Forest. <laughs> Could have come through thanks on my for nothing. Ticket. Yeah, I was going to say, thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. Uh, speaking of thanks for nothing, Mike, Boston College. Oh, yeah, there it is. Virginia Tech <laughs> 3. Um, this was a an ugly football game. Was. B, it was all about the quarterbacks um, in a very clear way. Because for Boston College, something that we alluded to, it uh, turns out Phil Dracovic's back. That kind of came out of nowhere a few hours before kickoff, and I immediately jumped on Boston College money line. Um, yeah, that paid off. 
On yeah. the other hand, Virginia Tech, Braxton Burmeister injured almost immediately at the start of this game, and it became a Knox Kadem show, and that just was never going to end well. Yeah, he sucks. It's not great. Yeah. It'd be, uh, you know, I, I would have rather just pulled a Michael Scott. You know, I dove into a pool of acid ice first. Like, I would have rather have done that. <laughs> this was horrible. This was, this was just horrible. Was I mean, not good. I mean, good on you for, for taking BC Moneyline when you found out Jerkovic was playing and, and healthy, but he sucked. He wasn't that <laughs> I mean, good. He was, no. He was bad. I mean, he threw a uh, interception that Dorian Strong tried to run back. He fumbled it back to Boston College. That was really good. Um, there was a pass that Jerkovic completed but should have been intercepted. It was deflected uh, by, I believe it was, either Armani Chapman uh, or Dorian Strong again, might be even Benjamin Waller. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Deflected a ball, uh, trying to knock it away, and it went into a Boston College's receiver's hands. So <laughs> there should have been a couple of Phil Dracovic interceptions. He threw a couple more ducks. Uh, he was seven of thirteen for one twelve. He had a couple of couple of long completions, but it he was not. He was very unimpressive. Uh, and yet not, somehow it, an upgrade over Dennis Grissel. <laughs> Somehow still an upgrade over Dennis Grossell. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to slander the name of Phil Dracovic too much. He hasn't played since whatever it was, week two, week two or week three. I mean, it's been a while. It made me wonder how, like, how legitimately healthy is he versus is he, like, healthy enough and, hey, this is the red bandana game. We'll give him an extra boost or, you know, something like, you know, kind of, you know, I'll use the word hokey like that. Um, right. You know, I don't know. I, I didn't yeah. watch this game with a microscope, but from what I did see of it, yeah, it was Good for you. Phil Dracovic, not not the Phil Dracovic we're used to in this game. He he struggled in a lot of ways that we're not used to seeing. There was some bad football on Friday night. There was this game. There was that Utah Stanford game that got out of hand early. I mean, good on you for not watching this one with a microscope. Yeah, wish wish I could say the same. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty easy to talk about. I mean. Burmeister got hurt and Virginia Tech doesn't have any quarterbacks on its roster that can play division one football behind Burmeister who can barely play FBS football on his own. So <laughs> that's been an issue all year. So that that's, that was a problem. I mean, Virginia Tech had three yards passing in the first half and it took a completion with like three minutes to go in the first half to get there. It was like a little dump off screen pass that honestly probably shouldn't have even been caught. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. They, they uh, also, you know, Virginia Tech had three points. They were able to keep their scoring streak for whatever that's worth. I don't, I don't care about that. I care about wins. Uh, this is Virginia Tech's lowest uh, scoring output since joining the ACC in 2004. Oof. So this is uh, a different class of loss for Virginia Tech. There are a couple different classes, actually three different classes of losses now this year. There's the ones where you play pretty well for most of the game and then play poor situational football. So that would be... Syracuse, West Virginia, and Notre Dame. There is the loss to a better team, which is the Pittsburgh game. And then there's the one where you go into the game and you're pretty much on the same level as the team you're playing, or perhaps maybe even a little bit better, and you show up and look totally inept and look like the worst team for four quarters. And that was what this game was against Boston College. So, Where your injury-prone uh, quarterback is immediately hurt, and then you just don't have another option. Correct. And then you can't beat a guy in Phil Dracovic, who I agree with you. I'm not sure how healthy he actually is. Uh, with some of the throws he was making, I'm like that does not look like 
Phil Dracovic. So mm-hmm. um, I'm with you there. Uh, Virginia Tech, I mean, it's the second time in the last three weeks that they have become somebody's first conference win, which is not a statistic you want either. <laughs> Syracuse was the first one a couple weekends back, and Boston College was another one. I'm just glad Virginia Tech beat Georgia Tech and give gave the Hokies some semblance of a hope in regards to bowl eligibility. But the Virginia Tech offense that we saw this past Saturday will not beat Duke mm-hmm. next Saturday mm-hmm. at home in Lane Stadium. Will not beat Duke because Boston College, they ran the ball pretty well in this game. And Duke, if we know anything about Duke, it's that their offense can run the ball a little bit. And if Duke plays just like a little bit of competent FBS defense, I don't think Virginia Tech's going to win that game. So that's where we're at. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far. <laughs> oh, Duke is pretty rough, Mike. I, I they are, but I I can tell you didn't watch this game with a microscope. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Joey, I'm telling you, that was bad. I mean, the numbers from that was the, real bad. The numbers for Virginia Tech's offense in this game are brutal. Um, yes, they had a grand total of 12 first downs this whole game. Yep, they went three for 11 on third down. They only ran 51 plays because they couldn't extend drives at all. Right. Um, I mean, some of the yards per play, I mean, we're well under five yards, just not a whole lot of anything redeeming here for Virginia Tech yeah. in this game. Um, yeah. And it's, offensive it's, play it's, calling poor. Yeah. And it's, poor. And it's, it's, as we've said, like it's, it's one thing to try to use, well, the quarterback got hurt as, as an excuse, but as we've discussed, this is year six, six, right? Seven? Yes, you're six, you're, unfortunately. You're six of Justin Fuente. This yeah. is your roster. This program right now is what you have made it. So if you don't have a backup quarterback that can function as a leader of a team, then that's that's on you. That's not bad luck. That's just that's what you that's a situation you've created. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. To uh rub salt in the wound uh of of Justin Fuente. Hendon Hooker was 15 of 20 for 316 yards and four touchdowns through the air for Tennessee on Saturday. I, you know, I thought about asking how Hendon Hooker did this weekend, and yeah. uh, I chose not to, but I'm glad you brought it up. Again, you know, some of it is just being better coached and being in a better offense. Some of it is just me saying, man, that's just total incompetence to not be able to keep Hendon Hooker, literally the quarterback who saved your job two seasons ago, and letting him walk out the door. So. Not great. Uh, this is a oh uh, lost cause for sure, as we know. Yeah, this yeah. is a disaster. And uh, the one the one final thing I'll add to is we know Virginia Tech's offense like their best path to victory is running the football. Mm-hmm. I think we know that mm-hmm. at this point. And even with Knox Kadem in the game, we knew that Virginia Tech was going to try to run the ball with Malachi Thomas, who had back to back 100 yard games. Raheem Blackshear has been running the ball pretty well. But, you know, immediately when Burmeister exits the game, the little bit of hope you had in the passing game is now out the door. But at least make life a little bit easier on Knox Kadem coming in as the backup. And then at least have the defense show you a little bit of respect in regard to, okay, we're going to throw a screen pass or like a slant or like, you know, a dump pass out of the backfield to the running back. Like something to show you're going to throw the ball a little bit that's like a higher percentage throw for a backup quarterback. Not... Let's throw a fade into double coverage down the field with like a one read pass play, mm-hmm. which is I, I feel like one of two pass plays in Virginia Tech's playbook. It's that one or like the throwback to the tight end they like to do. That's it. It's like Virginia Tech runs a Navy offense throwing the football. It's f-ing annoying. Sorry. Bleep that. Get that. Grab that. Um, 
I'm, I'm not trying to make your editing job worse. I'm just fed up with this at this point. No, I get it. I get it. Believe me, I've got some bleeps that I'm going to need to make use of here in a couple minutes when we talk about another game. I have nothing to add. With Babcock, please fire his ass. We're done here. I, you know, whatever little, like, inkling of hope I think there was from the Georgia Tech win last week, I think Gone. it just was completely diminished undone. here. Yeah. yeah, undone. Yeah, I mean, totally and, and I mentioned this on the recap last weekend with, with Dan, and I didn't really mention it. Dan mostly mentioned, he's like, well, you know, they're going to play Boston College, Duke, Miami, and Virginia. And he's like, that, I mean, just the way it's lining up, they could finish eight and four. Like, any of those games is fully winnable. Like, you could realistically maybe run the table and, and finish eight and four. And I was like, I was shook by that because I didn't even consider that possibility. Yeah, it was, it was right. out there. He yep. was he was right, and I was like, that might actually maybe save his job. Right. I think he's fired now. I think it's, it's over. No, he's it's fired. Over. He's he's fired, yeah. Uh, and again, like, Boston College didn't just, like, go out and win this game. I mean, they played like garbage. They, <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is more about the ineptitude of Virginia Tech, I think, than, like, Boston College playing, like, a fantastic football game. They did enough, and I don't want to completely diminish the effort, but it was, like, just wholly incompetent by Virginia Tech and Boston yeah. College. I tweeted this uh, at halftime. Actually, uh, it was ten nothing Boston College at halftime. And I tweeted this. And I said, "By the way, Boston College is not good enough to pull away." So I hope everybody bet the under yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they're not good enough to actually blow Virginia Tech out. But ten points felt insurmountable, which yeah. says a lot yeah. about the state of Virginia Tech. One more thing to add: Justin Fuente said before the season, "This is the best he's felt about Virginia Tech's passing game." Uh, since the 2016 season Woof. and Woof. yeah uh three yards passing in the first half just want to remind everybody <laughs> three yards passing three 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 the drive okay. chart for this game is an absolute friggin' crime scene yeah i i mean punt interception, i think i pr- touchdown <laughs> punt field goal punt 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 five yes touchdown field goal punt 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 fumble punt punt end of game yeah, I put in the show notes, I'd rather kill myself than watch another Virginia Tech football game in 2021. <laughs> and Look, if anybody's offended by that, you know where to find me. I'm sorry. But. At Mike McDaniel SOS on Twitter. Um, I give credit, I guess, to Pat Garwo. Uh, a bit of a yeoman's effort for Boston College. 30 carries, yeah, 16 yards and a touchdown. I mean, yeah. it wasn't all that efficient, but he carried a lot of the load and you know got, got done what needed to get done in a lot of cases. Did enough. Me. Did enough him and then the Phil Dracovic read a zone read touchdown run down by the goal line as well in the mm-hmm. first half. So yep, did enough. So didn't have to do much. Credit to Boston College. Um, they now need one more win to get bowl eligible. And the next two weeks at Georgia Tech, home against Florida State, I I think they're going to get one of those, at least one of those, if not both of them. Yeah, yeah, six and six seems like it's well within reach. Boston College going bowling, calling it right now. Yep. Another step forward for Halfley. Eagles 17, Hokies 3. Mike, let's keep moving. Before we do, you want to tell the people about Section 103? We're both wearing Section 103 shirts. I was going to say, are you wearing your Section 103 right now? I am. I'm wearing my Georgia Tech Section 103 shirt. Very comfortable. Highly recommend it. Tell me, how how does it feel? It looks great, personally. Phenomenal. It, it, It feels phenomenal. Looks phenomenal. Uh, I don't know if I'd rather be a Georgia Tech fan than a Virginia Tech fan at this point. I guess I, I guess that does the program have more hope? 
uh, I mean, yours is going to be hiring a coach soon, so that's that's an upwards looking thing. <laughs> I guess we're stuck with our guy uh, for another year or more. Yeah. Okay. So maybe not. Anyway, the <laughs> shirt's very comfortable, so we'll go with that. The shirt is comfortable, and Mike, it, it yes. is a beautiful shirt. It's got the official Georgia Tech word mark on it. Uh, those it are not easy to find these days, but it does. I am currently wearing one of my performance shirts from Section 103. Uh, it just has the white tech logo on it. Again, official word mark. It's the official tech gold. Um, I was wearing my shirt yesterday uh, trying to get some Section 103 magic that was badly needed in the Georgia Tech game. Uh, I was wearing my Section 103 shirt that has the ATL logo on it. That is also the only place you can go find that. So um, highly recommend it. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, all sorts of things for men, women, children. Go find it all trying to support Georgia Tech. Go find it at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order from section103.com. Really appreciate Steven and, and his partnership on this. We, we've had a lot of fun with this. Um, I think the people have gotten a lot of good quality products out of this, and uh, it's, it's really just been a win-win for everybody, Mike. Yeah, uh, best sponsorship we've had so far. Absolutely. I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. Yep. I, I would apologize to the other sponsors, but they're not listening to this anyway. <laughs> they'll so, never know. They'll never know. They'll never know. Uh, if, if they you, do, well, if you we like Section 103 more anyway. There you go. If you are looking to sponsor the podcast, by the way, hit us up. Basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, all do ears, it. Man. Section 103's done it. They did. They did. It, it's gone great. It's gone great. Uh, what didn't go great, Mike? Miami 33, Georgia Tech 30. Um, <laughs> And, and so, I, first of all, if you're listening to this and you're saying, well, Georgia Tech was like a 10.5-point underdog, and the Bears picked them on college game day, you know. I just... Why did you guys think that, you know, this was going to be such a blowout? Well, first of all, Mike, Georgia Tech got nine points and probably like 10 points of margin on a couple of really fluky plays, uh, one being a scoop six from Jalen King where he nearly stepped out of bounds, um, the other being a Wanye Thomas interception on a two-point conversion that he ran back all the way for a two-point play. That's a that's that's the difference. Miami would have covered if not for those. Yeah, uh, Miami minus ten and a half was my second rocket to blow up on the launch pad in the noon window. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, was not too happy with how that went. Uh, I was watching the Carolina Wake Forest ending, which. You know, that game was never going to end. Mm -hmm. And I flip over to Miami, Georgia Tech, which, of course, started a little bit later um, in the noon window. So I, I had that on and I'm watching Miami just time and time again, fail to put the game away in the second half. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Georgia Tech did get nine fluky points, the scoop six and the pick two, as we're going to call it. I guess so. Fluky, fluky. fluky. Um, Miami turned it over multiple times in this football game. Tyler Van Dyke, though, very good. Again, they found a quarterback, 22 of 34, 389, three touchdowns. That's good, Joey. That'll work. He was real good, um, and, and he had a lot of success throwing to Charleston Rambo, by the way, who had seven, yeah. seven catches for 210 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take that, personally. Yeah, Charleston Rambo. Uh, yes, I, I would. Th that is not the last you'll be hearing um, from Charleston Rambo on this year's podcast. No, it is not. Um, no. So that, that's the thing, like Miami racked up a lot of yardage here, uh, 563 yards, um, over 11 yards per pass attempt. Like that's a new high watermark for the Jeff Collins era, by the way, we'll just drop that little nugget in. Jeff Collins has not yet allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 11 yards per attempt until Tyler Van Dyke did it on Saturday. 
so, always good when it happens with the freshman. That's right. Yeah. And his like good fifth, feeling. fifth start in his career or whatever. Yeah. It goes for just, yeah. just hucking it down the field and having lots of success doing it. Uh, Jalen Knight in 32 carries for 162 yards and a touchdown. Like Miami was the better team. They should have won this game by more. They did not because they turned the ball over three times in the first half. Uh, Georgia Tech ends up with 14 points off of that, including the scoop six and then a kind of a short field touchdown drive. Um, so that was helpful. Uh, Miami was less penalized in this game. They were the better team, and it wasn't it wasn't particularly close. I'll I'll start by saying that. Credit to Miami. agree, agree. Um, I will say though too, this game was just in general kind of a mess um, for for both teams. I mean, again, Miami turned it over three times. Uh, Georgia Tech had a bunch of three and outs, like struggled to get the ball moving. Um, Jeff Sims looked pretty bad in this game. Like I, I've been yes. reasonably happy with what I've seen from him for most of this year. I think he's developed from last year. He's he's still got problems, but I think he's getting better. This was a bad game. He was under throwing yeah. the ball left and right. Yeah, this was uh, one of the worst games I've seen him play, actually, yeah. uh, in two years. In two years, by the way. This is one of his worst games in a Georgia Tech uniform, I thought. Yeah, I would agree with that. He had he was under-throwing the ball constantly. Uh, he held onto the ball too long several times. Uh, just several things w- were not going well for him. Uh, defensively, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, I don't know what is going on on that defense. I don't know what – I'll go back to what I said coming off. I believe it was the Northern Illinois game earlier this year. I don't know what they do in practice. Like, like this defense, they, they don't cover people. They just stand around, like, looking like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't rush the quarterback. Um, they can sometimes help stop the run, but sometimes not. Like, it is, it is an ineffective unit by and large, which somehow at the same time is loaded with a bunch of, like, juniors and seniors that have been in the program for years. Isn't that great? Isn't that great when that happens when there's four stars all over the roster and you're like, man, this unit sucks. This entire unit sucks. That's what happens with the Virginia Tech offense. Why it goes so crazy? It, it's mind boggling, man. Like, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I found a couple of numbers here, Mike. Georgia Tech's defense has now played eight full games against FBS competition this year. They have registered one interception in eight games. They have created one interception. That's almost statistically impossible. Like the ball should at some point just fall out of the sky into your hands. It did. Right. I guess it did one time when Gunnar Holmberg threw it. Other than that, they have not intercepted a pass the whole year. That's. I mean, if if you're going to pick one off, Gunnar Holmberg is a pretty good candidate. Yeah. Do you coach your defensive linemen to get their hands up? Didn't think so. Um, I have never seen a team for years that looks so just like embarrassingly bad trying to blitz, like especially with their linebackers. You see guys that like are running straight into open holes where it's got like a clear shot at the quarterback and then they cut to like go around the outside or something and nobody ends up getting home and you're just, what are you doing? I don't yeah. understand this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The yeah, other, it's a really poor defense. The other number, seven full games they've played this year against FBS competition, not named North Carolina. In those seven games, they have registered a grand total of six sacks among 28 tackles for loss. They, Not great, Bob. Yeah. Other than the North Carolina game and the Kennesaw State game, they are averaging less than one sack per game and four tackles for loss per game. Like, that, it, they, they're not doing anything. They're just a sieve, man. Like, they don't they don't cover. They don't tackle well. It's, it's a mess. It, and this was just a, a perfect embarrassment. Um, and, and, and really the, if, if nothing else, like even the most frustrating part is you have this performance, 
you look bad. You were lucky to be in the game at all. You you lose the game by three points, um, giving up all this yards, and, and, you know, all these yards, all this stuff. And then Jeff Collins walks into his press conference after the game, and I don't know who saw this, but gets a question, gets a couple of questions, one from our friend Kelly Quinlan, who's been on the show before, the other from Ken Segura of the AJC, asking about, you know, this wasn't great today, what happened, or, you know, why is it that Miami's receivers were just never being covered? You can't cover all receivers on one play at a time. Like, that just doesn't happen. Like, what what's going on? Right. You get questions about this, and immediately Jeff Collins is almost kind of firing back. It's like, well, why are we talking about the bad things? Why can't we talk about the good things? Why can't we talk about the two fourth down stops we got? Why can't we talk about this? It's like, Jeff, that's not how it works. You gave up 33 points, Jeff. You're three and six. You've won nine games in three years. Yeah, you gave up all these points. You don't get you don't get to answer questions about stuff that went well. It's not your one anymore, Jeff Collins. It's that's not- where I'm at with it. You're not and and we were talking about this before the podcast. I wanted to reserve my thoughts until we hit record. It's not your one anymore. No. It's not your one anymore. And uh, this isn't just a Jeff Collins problem, Joey. Like mm. we, this is like, uh, we see this across the ACC with guys who have been at schools multiple years. Like yeah. this is, yeah. that is a lazy, lazy answer by Jeff Collins. Oh, I mean, we did that poorly. Well, let's take a look at what we did well. Uh, you lost your three and six, your two and five in conference play. You're likely not going to a bowl game for a third year in a row. Like, what are we doing? Mm hmm. What are we doing here? We're not into moral victories at Georgia Tech. <laughs> I, I consider myself an official Georgia Tech stand with a shirt on. Anyway. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Like I, I told you before, we need all the help we can get. <laughs> Go Jackets, right? <laughs> Go Jackets. I'm going mean, to clip that. I'm going to clip that. That's, that's coming it's back. It's fine. It's fine. Got nothing to... Uh, got nothing to worry about. What, are Virginia Tech fans <laughs> going to get angry? I mean... I, Oh, sorry. I'm, I want another team to do well. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> my team doesn't do well, so I'll watch another team do well. My my the team I root for every week now is a team I bet on. So mm-hmm. I had seven teams I rooted for on Saturday. Yeah, I had twelve yeah. teams actually. Seven teams at one. That's all I care about. You're on Team Mike. I'm on. Yeah, I'm I'm on Team Mike for for better or worse. Mostly worse. I okay. Here's the deal. Sorry, ran over. Sorry no, about that. no. I mean it's you're correct. Like it's, it's, it's absurd. And I mean, at this point we are, I, I, I tweeted this out too yesterday. My, my brother-in-law tweeted at me or, or texted me, I guess, after the game. And I thought it was funny because, you know, I, I wrote that article after the Northern Illinois game that was uh, basically, you know, we're in the end game now. And I was like, if you're going to go out and lose to Northern Illinois, the way that you did in that game, it's like, right. This, this whole coaching tenure is not salvageable. Like, right. Agree. And, and they, they can't afford to fire him this year, but, Slowly but surely, it, we're, we're going to be done here. Yep. Um, then the next three games against Kennesaw, Clemson, and North Carolina, they looked good. They played well in each of those games, I felt like. They didn't win the Clemson game, but like played really well, Like looked good doing it. And I was like, I'm going to have to eat some crow here. <laughs> oh, man. It's like this is like 2019 Virginia Tech. Yeah, exactly. Except like with a little slightly worse record. Yeah. Well, and then... You go back, and my, this is what my brother-in-law texted me on Saturday afternoon and said, I don't know what kind of Nostradamus you are, but your article is pretty on point. And I went back and reread it, and sure enough, I made mention they're probably going to win three or four games. They're going to fire at least one of the coordinators. 
We're going to do it again next year, and nothing's ever going to improve. And then we're going to be looking for a new coach after probably the 2022 season. Yeah. And it really kind of feels like we're on schedule, Mike. Everything's yeah. going right along as, as according to plan. Yeah, I think so, too. Definitely on schedule. Heard Paul Johnson's available. <laughs> there I'd it is. I'd take it, man. I'd take I'd, it. <laughs> I know you would. Just like USC should probably look into Lane Kiffin. I believe word on the street is that the Georgia Southern reached out to Paul Johnson before they hired Clay Hilton. And that's not a joke, by the way. They did. And he just told them, I'm, I think I'm good. Maybe they should just... <laughs> Maybe USC, Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, and I'll do a coach swap. I'd take it. I'd take it. I don't know. It's 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 mind-boggling, man. Like, I can't figure out how is it a man like Jeff Collins, who has had good defenses at each and every stop that he's been at in his coaching career, how does he oversee a defense for three years that is, like, degrading not only, you know, week over week, but year over year. Like, the, the first year that he was here was the best that the defense has been. I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but all I know is that they're they're going to fire some, some defensive staff for sure. And then, you know, unless something really kind of drastically changes, I, they have to win six or seven games next year, or he's done. He's done. People are getting fed up with it. It's not even just the results on the field. Some of it is this post-game press conference nonsense and and the way that he keeps almost like insulting our intelligence by acting like nothing's wrong and acting like we're the problem. Like, hell no, we're not. You're the problem, Jeff. It's your program. You're in year three. Why can't your guys cover? Like, not even cover spreads. Just why can't your secondary cover receivers? That's the whole job. Anyways. Okay, that's all. That's all I've got here, Mike. Except, sorry, one more thing that was tweeted out by uh, Mike Flynn, who is the SID from Georgia Tech, and I just found this really amusing. And and you know, if you're listening, Mike, shout out to your, you know, shout out to my guy. But <laughs> he tweeted this out on Saturday. Wanye Thomas became the first FBS player since 2015 and the first ACC player since 2008 to, and this is quite the stat line record at least nine tackles, a sack, one and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and score points in a single game. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that nobody has done that in 13 years because that is that is quite quite the stat. So uh, credit to Wanye Thomas for putting up a, uh, a fully complete stat line in this game against Miami on Saturday. That's all I got, Mike. That's all I want to talk about here. Miami 33, Georgia Tech 30. <sighs> Clemson 30, Louisville 24. Uh, Mike. Oh, yeah, Clemson. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, baby. Go ahead and celebrate your win here, Mike. Clemson covered three and a half. I'm so Got me back in the win column. I mean, DJU, that man's knee was not in a good spot. Not in a good spot. Not in a good spot and Laura's by the way Cunningham's. yeah i was gonna say speaking of bad knees how about malik cunningham why were they still running him i don't know like this, big question for you like what the hell were they doing you you've got the ball down at like the three yard line with you know 40 seconds or whatever it was you know no timeouts and you basically ran cunningham what was it three times four times like the man yeah, at least three. He was like gimpy on that knee and everything. Maybe try throwing it. 
I, you know, do something. Don't run him right at the Clemson defense. Like, goodness gracious. Weird play calling. Weird. Especially when you got a couple talented backs, Travion Cooley, Jalen Mitchell, Son Hall. Give it to literally any of them. Yeah, both Cooley and Mitchell had had, like, you know, decent games, at least in the context of trying to run the ball against the Clemson defense. Right. And I realized that Cunningham has been a, a pretty remarkably dynamic runner and was again in this game on Saturday. But like circumstances have changed, Mike. <laughs> Cunningham seems yes. like he can't really cut. I don't it almost seems like it could have been like an ACL injury or something, but it wouldn't have been that serious if he was actually out there. But I mean, just I didn't understand that move at all. No. Um I was really kind of irritated, mostly because I, 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 a, I continue to suffer through this Louisville uh, over six and a half wins ticket that I think at this point is we're one loss away from being officially dead, um, and it's it's going to be close because they got Syracuse and Duke the next two weeks, and then Kentucky. I, I think they they could win any of those three games. They could. They lose could. They're like, <laughs> they're probably they're probably not beating Kentucky. Yeah, no, probably not. And this is this is the other thing is that Louisville has had some ridiculous late game losses this year. They have the loss to Virginia, the loss to Wake Forest, now the loss to Clemson. Like they had this horrific record in close games late. The only game that they didn't lose that they maybe could have was the Florida State game. Uh, that Florida State just could not could not finish that game. Um, this is a problem. And and I think speaks to maybe a bigger issue because this was an issue last year for Louisville as well. Uh, losing these close one-score games. They were something like, what, one in seven in one-score games last year or something like that? Like, that that's not a good sign if you can't manage those late-game situations into a winning situation, Mike. Question with this because, yeah, I mean, they're struggling in late-game situations and struggling to win the close games and all that been happening for a few years and we're on year three of Satterfield so look Louisville now four and five two and four in conference play like you mentioned you know Syracuse and Duke next couple weeks and they got Kentucky at the end of the year I mean obviously a chance for Louisville to still make a bowl game certainly but what if they don't that's on the table as well man things are gonna get real contentious I think if they don't make a bowl game so that was my question where are we at with Satterfield I don't know. I don't know that this is like a firing situation. I don't think it is. But I think he goes into next year pretty squarely on the hot seat. Um, I th- this team, this program, I think is better than they were last year. I think is, but they're not as good as they were two years ago, and, and so that is not a positive trend in your program over three years. That tells me something. Yeah, agree. I this Satterfield thing looked like a really good fit in year one. I just don't think it is now. And I would feel, yes. And I I will say this. I would feel differently about this. If Satterfield did not try to go get the South Carolina job. It definitely that, I mean, that just seemed like it set well. And and again, coming on the end of a a pretty brutal season last year, overall, just in the, in the record books on the scoreboard, like, that just kind of seemed like it set in, in motion some negative attention, some negative energy surrounding the program that yes, has not for gone sure. away. For sure. For um, sure. The other thing that, that concerns me, and it's it's more of a macro thing with Louisville, is like, again, I don't think the recruiting has been particularly good under him, nor do I think right. it really has matched 
the profile of what Louisville has historically done to be really successful in recruiting, which is get some of the best guys out of Kentucky and then go get a bunch of talent out of Florida and maybe some out of Georgia. Right. Yep. Um, they have not done a whole lot of that. And, and the level of recruiting just has not been great. So that's my level of concern. We can stop the dissertation on Louisville now. <laughs> um, yeah. This, this game was I'm kind sorry. of a mess. Uh, both quarterbacks seem like they had gimpy knees. Um, DJU continues to like slowly maybe get like a little bit better at passing. Not really, but maybe a little bit. Um, he goes 18 for 30 for 220 and two touchdowns. Um, I mean, that's better, but it's still not pretty, like very good. Uh, I believe Justin Ross had a couple of pretty big circus catches here. Bo Collins has, has started to come on for Clemson. Uh, six catches, 104 yards and a touchdown. Um, Will Shipley came back and was in this game, but I, he still does not look fully healthy here. He had one big carry and otherwise really kind of struggled to move the ball on the ground against a pretty meh Louisville run defense, Mike. Yeah, Shipley had 14 carries for 47 yards. 22 of those 47 yards came on one run. Otherwise, he had uh, 13 carries for 25 yards. 25 yards. So he's our volume shooter of the week, by the way. He could be. Yeah. Um, this is a game. I mean, Louisville had the lead going into the fourth quarter. Yet again, they were up 24 to 17 going into the fourth quarter. And then just couldn't hold on. Uh, Clemson goes field goal, touchdown, field goal on their final yep. three possessions. And Louisville goes miss field goal, punt, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Not the way you want to end it offensively. No, not not a, not what you'd call a strong finish here at all. No. I will say uh, you mentioned Will Shipley didn't look healthy in this game. I, I agree, but he looked healthy against Florida State. So it makes you wonder. I, I thought he was turning a corner last week. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I was like, man, he looked good in that game. And now I'm like, yeah, maybe not. And are we just not going to give the ball to Phil Maffa and Kobe Pace anymore? Have we just decided we're just going to give it to Shipley a billion times a game? Like Maffa and Pace have been pretty good when Shipley's been out. Mm-hmm. Actually, two of the brighter spots of the Clemson offense. So I'm wondering why they're just like, and, and I get Shipley's a five-star running back and all that, and he's going to be really good. I get all that, but. I, I feel like at this point in 2021, trying to figure out what Clemson is doing on offense is like a fool's errand. Like, dude, like, <laughs> what is the strategy? Like, so many things just don't work, and it's, I don't know. I, I, I assume they get this fixed before next year, but it has been such, a, like, a mess the entire season that, I mean, hard to think that they just automatically will. Yeah, and I mean, Clemson's got UConn next Saturday, so I think we know how that's going to go. Mm. Then, then they got Wake and South Carolina, and I'll tell you what, Joey, after what I just saw South Carolina do to Florida, I'm Clemson, Joey, Clemson should win that finale, but it's on the road, and I'm not totally discounting South Carolina's chances. Let's just put it that way. I would, I know, but like, I I would say that for sure, like this is South Carolina's chance to get Clemson. South Carolina is like on their third string quarterback and they weren't good to begin with. And like, they're not in a position to actually get one here. Well, and Clemson's defense, well, and Clemson's defense is much better than Florida's who just fired Todd Grantham. Right. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. So a little bit different matchup situation too there. But just something to keep in mind. Point being, that South Carolina game in terms of from South Carolina's standpoint, this game against Clemson is a lot more winnable than it has been. Yes, definitely is. Definitely is. Um, yep. And if Clemson doesn't show up to Columbia ready to play, they're beatable. I mean, Clemson's beatable every week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably fair. Probably fair. Um, I don't have a ton else on this game. Um, th- this was, I don't know, it's fine for Clemson. They, you know, they survive in advance here. I was more just disappointed in Louisville, like had multiple chances to go in and win this game. And it not only couldn't put Clemson away, but just couldn't take advantage of the chances they had late. And right. it's, a, it's a pretty disappointing and concerning trend that we continue to see from the Scott Satterfield program that, I, you know, I won't be betting the win total next year unless it's like two. I would consider a coaching change, but uh, yeah, might be about there. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think they're going to do it, but I would consider it. So Worth yeah. Considering. Oh, uh, real quick. Dabo said in a press conference today, cause he had a, a Sunday presser. Apparently he mentioned that he was not going to rest DJU in the Yukon game. Mm-hmm. I guess Matt Connolly, friend of the show been mm-hmm. on here before. Uh, he asked Dabo if he would consider uh, starting Tyson Puma Chan. Puma Chan, right? Mm-hmm. Did, did I pronounce Puma-chan. that right? Puma Chan, right? Yep, Puma Chan. Okay. Would he consider starting Tyson Puma Chan instead of DJU against UConn, you know, for the sake of resting DJU's knee and the fact that UConn doesn't have a prayer in that football game? Mm-hmm. And Dabo said, This is the most important game of the year because if I don't win this game, there's going to be a new coach here. <laughs> Which. I know he says that kind of half joking, but really? <laughs> You're not? I, I mean, really? In a way, he's not wrong. <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty uh, unforgivable, fireable offense. Although PJ Fleck lost to Bowling Green like a month ago and just got a seven-year contract extension, so does anything matter anymore i don't know maybe not and then and then lost to illinois this weekend so ohio state's best win is now against a team that's lost to both bowling green and illinois so i want to put that into the abyss not not saying there's any teams that are really blowing like blowing teams off the map right now outside georgia but i'm just saying there we don't we don't have any obvious challengers right that's for sure it's a disaster anyway clemson 30 louisville 24 uh, last two games, Mike, uh, NC State, the number 19 NC State Wolfpack, 28. The Florida State Seminoles, 14. Uh, apparently, Florida State's entire campus just, like, has the flu right now. We found that out, like, late last week. Yeah. Same thing apparently was affecting Florida. I don't know what the people down in Florida are doing, but they're all getting the flu doing it. Um, there was no Jordan Travis in this game. Apparently, he was just straight unavailable. I don't even know if he – you know, I don't think he was dressed, like – don't know what that was about. Uh, so Mackenzie Milton played this whole game for Florida State. Was not particularly effective. Um, Florida State could not run the ball at all against NC State's defense. NC State, strangely, could not really run the ball a whole lot against Florida State's defense. Um, but Devin Leary played fairly well, 21-32 for three fourteen and four scores. Uh, did have a pick. NC State, I mean, was, was good enough here. I, I, yeah, I think in the state that Florida State is in, might have been a little nicer to see NC State get a little bit more margin. But 
it is what it is. I'll take it. They win the game uh, pretty comfortably and do that on the road. And they cover the spread, most importantly. Florida State's entire campus has the flu. Is that what we're calling COVID these days? Is that what we're doing, <laughs> doing that now? <laughs> some people are, always were. Yeah, some, some people. Yeah, that, that God, that's for damn sure. That's for damn sure, especially in Florida. Um, so Florida State's entire campus has the flu. I've seen their bar scene, and look, ladies and gentlemen, I understand. I understand. I get it. I'd, I'd be going out, too. I get it. Fine. Uh, it's not where I thought uh, you were not, going with that, but I see. Yeah, not, not, listen, not much to say. Devin Leary looked really good. Anytime you have to start uh, Mackenzie Milton for you know, more than a couple drives, it's an absolute disaster now. It's just kind of the way that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just glad he can walk and stuff, but that's about all he can do. This was yeah. this was not a very good performance by Florida State's offense. Two for sixteen on third down and two for four on fourth down is Florida State here in this game. Not ideal. Yeah. Need we say anything more? <laughs> um, yeah, NC State racks up exactly four hundred yards of offense. Um and, and like I said, I mean just kind of just did enough here. Um I, I, I don't have a whole lot to say. This is kind of a ho hum game, ho hum win. Um was never really like threatening. Um, NC State goes up 14 nothing at the half and then uh, 21-7 early in the, the third quarter. Like, I don't know, got to 21-14 there for a little bit, but then NC State scores in the fourth quarter to uh, give it the two-touchdown margin, and that really kind of put the game away. So, One of the most boring games of the weekend, college football. Yeah, really pretty, right uh, here. relatively uneventful, I would say. And so I can't wait for NC State fans to be in my mention talking about how there was like a mongoose on the sidelines or some you know crazy nonsense that somehow we're <laughs> missing here. There was a mongoose on the sidelines. His name is Devin Larry. <laughs> he's a madman, Mike. He's a madman. Yeah, he is. Um, he's really good at quarterback, too. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC, so shout-out to Devin Leary. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Trent Penix, three catches, 97 yards, a touchdown. C.J. Riley, three catches, 77 yards, a touchdown. We call that efficiency. Efficient. Efficient, yes. right. Um, one thing I did want to bring up here, and I mentioned this to begin with, NC State struggled to run the ball in this game. Uh, Zonovan Knight, Ricky Person combined for 28 carries for 103 yards. And Ricky Person in particular, 10 carries for 28 yards. And, and I, I bring that up, Mike, because this has kind of become a trend at times with NC State this year. Um, they are they are struggling to run the ball consistently. They've, they've had a couple games where they've done it well. Um, you know, Miami, Louisiana Tech, Furman, South Florida, like, you know, those games they've run the ball fairly well. But against Mississippi State, Clemson, Boston College, Louisville, and now Florida State, five times this year they have been held under four yards per carry, uh, which is not a good sign. And and especially with no. a, a running back room like they have, um, that that's not great. Thankfully, they do have again a quarterback who can you know pick them up and, and help win those games when the run game's not working. But this is kind of becoming a trend, and it concerns me with the Wolfpack. Yeah, nah, they got to figure out better ways to run the ball, especially with the running backs they have in that room. No doubt about it. For sure, for sure. Uh, NC State, 28. Florida State, 14. Last one, Mike. The number 25 Pitt Panthers, 54. The Duke Blue Devils, 29. This game was also kind of wild. Weird. It was, yeah. Weird. Really weird. Um, Duke Duke played like three different quarterbacks in this game. Um they, they had a kickoff return for a touchdown. They also scored a safety. Um, 
Pitt really spent a long time trying to get this game under control. They really struggled to get the ball in the end zone. Um, they ended up kicking a lot of field goals in this game. Finally, finally scored a touchdown with about two minutes left to uh, actually cover the 21-point spread. Um, but Duke just sort of uh, kind of cobbled together points here and there. And, and this was a competitive game into the second half. Um, really just a weird game the way it all played out. I, I don't know. I mean, good on Pittsburgh for uh, really pulling it together in the second half and getting some margin, though, I would say. Yeah, uh, certainly a very slow start. Um, <laughs> really, really weird game. Uh, Duke was up a couple different occasions. It was 12-7 to into the first quarter. It was 19-14. to It was 7-5 to late in the first quarter. 7-5 seven, seven to five in the middle of the third inning. Uh, when Pitt called the bullpen <laughs> in, yeah. And- yeah, yeah, they had... I don't know. I mean, listen, Duke Duke was trailing 14 to 12 and then this is like beginning of the second quarter, they immediately get an 86-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, then we're like, all right, maybe Duke is just going to score in a bunch of weird ways today to keep this competitive. So, that was to make it 19 to 14 and then Duke didn't score again until they kicked a field goal with 734 to go in the third quarter when they were down 37 to 19. So mm-hmm. it really snowballed on Duke quickly here. Uh, Pitt outscored Duke 23 to seven in the second quarter. After that kickoff return, uh, Pitt had consecutive possessions of field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, 10 to half. Mm-hmm. So they went from down 19 to 14 to up 30 to 19. And that's when the game turned. It was basically from the, around the 1148 mark in the second quarter. Like that's when this game really turned. And then, from there, Pitt just did their thing. Uh, Kenny Pickett threw a touchdown pass. Jordan Addison had a run. Uh, you know, they just slowly and methodically put this game away. And it it wasn't very competitive in the second half. You know, Pitt was up by as many as 18. It just was never competitive. Yeah. But yeah. it was weird. First half was weird. Very weird. You mentioned, and now I'm forgetting who it was. Um... Oh, it was Will Shipley. You mentioned Will Shipley as a potential yes. Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award winner here. Um, Mateo Durant also? Yes. 20, yes, for 24 sure. 24 carries for 89 yards, which... For sure. I mean, low output for him and his standards in particular, but more importantly, why are we running the ball 24 times in a game against Pittsburgh like who just does nothing but stop the run on defense? Right, right. Yeah, this what are we doing here? Is, this is the game where you throw 60 passes and just see how many of them you can connect on. Like, that was never going to work. I don't know why they tried it. It didn't work. Um, so, sure, go Duke. Yeah, made no sense. Yeah, whatever. Uh, that's all I got on this game. Anything else? Good for Pitt. Yeah. Good for Pitt. Pitt is it. All that stuff. Good for Pitt. Did not let the uh, the hangover from Miami cost him this one as well. Um, they continue to be in the driver's seat in the Coastal Division. Uh, we're barreling towards pit wake. Can't wait, man. I think. I mean, unless NC State has something to say about it. It's what we deserve. That'll at least be a competitive ACC championship game for once in this podcast history. Maybe for the first time. (laughs) Perhaps for the first time. Because keep in mind, Pitt's defense does not stop the pass all that well. You know who can huck it all around the yard? 
That would be Sam Hartman. That would be one Sam Hartman. Corey Roberson and A.T. Perry running wild in the pit secondary. That'll be a uh, that'll be an entertaining game, if nothing else. So yes, no doubt about it. Hopefully, we get there. We'll see. Uh, pit fifty four, Duke twenty nine. Mike, you want to give off some awards? Yeah, let's do it. Hit the music, and here we go. The Go ACC moment of the week. You mentioned it came from your Hokies. Uh, Hokies on defense getting backed up into the red zone. Phil Dracovic trying to take a shot at the end zone. And then what happened, Mike? Pass was intercepted by Dorian Strong. Dorian Strong. Go Hokies. Let's go. Go Hokies. Let's do this thing, man. Love a good turnover, especially when you turn it back over on the same play. So (laughs) Dorian Strong is trying to return it. There's nothing there. He's kind of running in circles. Gets a little careless with the football and whoop! Bumble. That's what we, tell, what we call giving your freshman quarterback all the help he needs. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to have like a 22-yard gain across college. So, go ACC to that. Yeah, go ACC to that. Uh, cheers, Dorian Strong. Uh, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial, you try to award. Uh, this could go a lot of different directions. You, you went ahead and claimed this one, Mike. I appreciate it. Virginia Tech trying to complete a forward pass. Like I mentioned, only three yards passing in the first half of this football game. Uh, Looks like Virginia Tech was going to get shut out in the passing yards category there in the first half. They complete a short pass with not too much time left in the second quarter. And then Virginia Tech went on to have a total of, I believe it was 76 yards passing in this football game. So uh, not very good, Joey. Not very good at all. Yeah, not great when it's really easy math to figure out how many feet they passed for in the first half. Um, not ideal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Nine yeah. feet Wait, of passing. Nine, nine feet, yeah. Slight, yeah, slight, slightly taller than uh, you and I stacked on, each, <laughs> on top of each other's shoulders, basically. Or, we're, we're slightly taller than that, I guess. Whatever. Anyway, that's the point. I was going to ask you this, too, but you brought this up during the game. This was the lowest output in the ACC era. How many points did Virginia Tech end up with in that overtime game against Wake Forest that was nothing-nothing going into overtime? Uh, six, I believe. Six to three? Okay. Yeah, I think it was six three. Six three or nine six. I can't remember. Okay, well. Yeah, this, that was this, a close this, second, though. I was say, this, this felt like the proper segment to be asking that question and discussing that game as well. <laughs> it was it was uh, very memeable then, right? And we thought that was rock bottom for the Virginia Tech offense. Nope, found rock bottom. Nope. We found it. Uh, Mike, as mentioned, the Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award split this week between Mateo Durant, who had 24 carries for 89 yards and lost a fumble, and Will Shipley, who had, what was it, 14 carries for 47 yards and almost half of them came on one run? Yes, that's that's correct. Will Shipley was the late ad there. Um, you mentioned Mateo Durant when we were recapping the game a few minutes ago, but yeah, Will Shipley, 14 carries for 47 yards, but... One of those carries went for 22 yards. So, effectively, he had 13 carries for 25 yards. That's not very good. Not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, Mike, that's all I've got for awards. I've got to learn that pressing the button again does not make it stop. It makes it restart. Um, You want to go (laughs) out some actual awards? Player of the week. Uh, Mine is Charleston Rambo. Uh, Charleston Rambo was outstanding for Miami, and you found that out the hard way, Joey, unfortunately. Mm Mm-hmm. Seven catches for 210 yards and a touchdown. He is quickly becoming one of Tyler Van Dyke's top receivers. Yes, and and I mean, he a he got very close, I believe, to setting a school record for receiving yards in a game here on Saturday. Uh, he missed it, I think, by only a few feet, 
But um, the other thing was that I, I believe he's also like quickly climbing the list. He's in the top five all time in my at Miami in terms of uh, receptions career, if I'm not mistaken. This doesn't seem right. He transferred in, didn't he? Charleston Rambo. Uh, let's. He came from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, okay. He did. Look, did. all I know, this game was on Bally Sports, Mike. They're posting some bootleg stats on there. I don't know who makes up the stuff there. So, no, it was Mike Harley. Never mind. It was Mike Harley who's getting up there in um, career receptions at Miami. So, never mind. Well, this is a, this is escalating quickly. It really is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Charleston Rambo, player of the week. Uh, also, a shout-out to Ty Chandler, who had one of his two best games for sure in a North Carolina jersey, running for well over 200 yards. And please forgive us for butchering things. It's 12.30 a.m. Eastern, uh, but the clocks just went back an hour. So really, it's like 1.30 a.m. Yeah, I have no idea where I am or what day it is. Um, yes. It could be anything. Uh, team of the week. Uh, could be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with North Carolina, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, Carolina is a real good candidate. I don't really have another team other than Carolina to choose from, actually. I'm going to go with Carolina as well. Or maybe Boston College. Just because, shout out to Phil Jakovic. Everybody thought your season was over, and you came back in and played and red bandana game. And or, uh, you know, if you're really feeling feisty, how about uh, team of the week being Virginia Tech because you're one step closer to getting coach fired. There you go. There you go. Could yeah, any of those good team of the week candidates. I agree. <laughs> any, any of those. That's all I got a week uh, ten, Mike. Anything else? I want to blow my brains out. <laughs> Please don't do that. We got another week to talk about. Yeah. Go good. Ready to be heard again. As I say, we ride, we ride again into the into the light because home games for Virginia Tech against Duke have never gone poorly. Oh, not that, once. What could possibly go wrong? Um, not a single time. Especially not against bad Duke teams, which is what a 2019 Duke team was. So whatever. <laughs> Mike, I have uh, I have great news as it re- re- regards Week 11. As it re- relates uh, okay. to Week 11. Yes. What do we got? We have a Thursday night game. Oh, yes, we do. Finally, like it has taken a while to get another Thursday night game. But, buddy, we are here as the North Carolina Tar Heels are visiting the number 25 Pitt Panthers in a Thursday night classic that always gets weird. So that's some appointment viewing. So set your clocks right now for 7.30 on Thursday on ESPN. I will be there. That'll be a fun watch. I don't mind Carolina there. We'll talk about that in the preview. I may not mind picking Carolina. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, Pitt's been, Pitt's been sliding a little bit. Let's keep an eye on them. They right? have. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, other than that, it's going to be an interesting week. we got the ACC Atlantic Division Championship game. Uh, NC State on the road in Winston-Salem taking on the Deeks. Um, yeah, lots of other good conference action, too. So I believe everybody's in action next week. So yep. you have no excuse not to be uh, listening to the show if you're uh, Agree. not sure. Anxiety Bowl in Blacksburg. Notre Dame heading to Charlottesville to play UVA. We'll see what Brent Armstrong's health is. We got UConn trying to be the latest team to upset Clemson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Miami, Florida State, one of the greatest games of the 21st century. That's right. I can't wait. That'll be yeah. That'll be a rendition of uh, Miami, Florida State, but we'll see. Yep. Mike, that's all I got in Week 10. You want to come back and preview Week 11? Can't wait. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. Um, we're going to get out of here, come back, and preview those games. In the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. 
you can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns, all of it. You can send it all to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, all those good places. Uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, go find us there. Hit follow, hit subscribe. Uh, do it on your wife's phone, your girlfriend's phone, your uh, your husband's phone, your kid's phones, whatever. Uh, help us pump those numbers up. We love the people that do that. <laughs> Put it on the kid's phone, but don't always necessarily hit play. That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we try to keep this a family show, but sometimes I got to bleep out Mike's stuff in the editing process. So we'll see. Yeah. So there, there's a uh, spot earlier in this podcast. <laughs> I've got it written down. Good. Uh, Mike, good. where else can they find us on the social medias? That's where the kids really Facebook. Are. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there. Instagram as well at BC Podcast ACC. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Please give us reviews and ratings. Please. We could use them. I haven't checked recently, but hopefully we have some. Uh, I think we have at least one new one since the last time that we uh, actually kind of brought these up. But Oh, really? But it's it, that was it, that was even still like a couple weeks ago. Mike, yeah. speaking of, of social media, are we on TikTok yet? No, but we can be. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you do that on your phone. I don't want the Chinese government knowing what I'm doing all the time. Yeah, fair fair <laughs> enough. It's just science. Uh, should we get out of here before we get ourselves in any trouble? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, Mike, we will come back and preview week 11, and we will talk then. Yes, sir. All right. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.